1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? Hello there, Rich Ferraro here, and thank you for listening to this 1865 Podcast Extra. Now, if you'd listened to our end-of-season show, you'll have heard that we had interviews with Mark Dennison of BBC Radio Nottingham, who is also the City Grand Stadium announcer, and also Forest fan and football journalist Nick Miller. Now, those were shortened versions of those interviews, so in this Podcast Extra, we're delighted to bring you the full interviews. Let's start off with Mark Dennison. Now it's time for something very special. We're going to go to a stalwart of BBC Radio Nottingham, but most importantly, the man who is the city ground stadium announcer, Mr Mark Dennison. Denno, how are you doing?
2: Um, very well, thank you. And, and hearing you say those words is still like, I don't know, it's still dawning on me, to be honest. But uh, yeah, wow.
1: That's all I can say. That brings me to exactly where I was going to start, which was how was Wembley for you? Um, um,
2: it, it was it was immense I mean um, yeah I, I, I mean basically the story with with that is that um, years ago and I hate to well we can talk about it now because there's no jinx is there um, years ago with Yeovil uh, and the playoffs then and we know what happened but basically I was put on standby then to to go to Wembley and to you know um, I remember Mark Arthur at the time saying look um, we get to Wembley. The deal is that they get the announcer on from each team and you do a little bit. And I was thinking, wow, that sounds really exciting. Then we know what happened. And that was a long time ago. Um, and then when we knew we were in the playoffs after the Sheffield United uh, semi-final, um, all of a sudden I started thinking about, oh yeah, there's that thing at Wembley again. And I hadn't it hadn't crossed my mind before before that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just the whole day was just incredible and a blur, and definitely, definitely a real—not just career, but life highlight.
1: Oh, that's that's wonderful to hear. And of course, for many, many fans who who didn't have the same um, proximity to everything that was going on as you did, look, you know, we've seen we've seen all the Fox Pops, haven't we? And all the fans saying. Um, it's the best day of my life, and not just the ones who've never experienced success as a forest supporter. Even even some of my generation and the older generation as well. Loads of people saying it's it's one of the best days. Now, for you, you had a really really long day, didn't you? Because you were broadcasting on the early shift. Um, we saw you on the big screen, all suited and booted. Be honest with me. Were you nervous before that day? Oh, I was bricking it. Absolutely. I was absolutely yeah. Um,
2: yeah, I'm not going to lie. And <clears throat> that was part of it, but in in some ways, looking back, I was quite pleased it was a really busy day. So in my day job, yeah, I, I, I work for BBC Radio in Nottingham. So um, they already had a plan of um, doing some outside broadcast from from London. I'd already said I'd be I'd be up for that, um, but knowing that I'd have the the announcing thing to work around as well. But it worked out perfectly, really. So I was on air eight till eleven so it was an early start uh we started just up the road from Wembley and then walked down to Wembley way uh finished at 11 by the um, the famous steps up to the stadium and then i literally went in um I had to get my pass and um i had to have like a, a rehearsal uh can't remember the last time i re- rehearsed anything at the city ground but there we are um people can probably tell um and went in and it was actually really nice because after all of that it was already noisy outside and and it was busy busy being on air for three hours and I went into Wembley and it was all quite quiet and they were setting things up and it just gave me a bit of time to wander around and get my bearings and get my head around what I was going to be doing Uh, and then we had a, a rehearsal the woman at Wembley said um when you finish your your bit, when you've announced the teams, um, do you want to do a piece to camera? And I said, "Well, um, can do. You know, <laughs> can do if you want." Um, it's a different language, so I, it was just you know, it was just like that, and 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 the rest of it was just. I then had a bit of time to kill before I went back and did the thing for real, but um, yeah, it was it was just
1: amazing. And, and, and by the way, just very quickly, did was it your choice to wear a suit and tie, or was it someone else's? My choice. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh yeah, you look, you look the part. If you if you if you can't dress up for one of the biggest days of your of your career, then when yeah. can you? I guess.
2: Well, that's it. Yeah. Thank you. Okay,
1: going back to the city ground. Um, your job as stadium announcer, you you have been doing it for a long time. Um, but just thinking about over the last few years. Uh, it must feel very different doing it now to compared to the years BC before Cooper. <laughs> BC, all of that.
2: Um, yeah, it does. And I think we've talked before about it's, it's a kind of, it's almost like a chicken and egg thing. So yeah, my job is to yeah do the teams and to kind of build, build, help build the atmosphere along with everything else going on musically and on the screens but let's be honest. During the dark days, you know, there's only so much building up you can do before the crowd start thinking. You know, we all know you're not. We're not really building up to very much, are we? Um, so you've got to play quite. a, There's a delicate kind of balance to be struck there. Whereas since um, October last year, and certainly since the turn of the calendar year, it's just been so different. And everyone could see what massive progress there was I, I think I mean I can't speak for everyone but it was just it felt like something was brewing and I was telling myself that um, and in fact I was I was, I was I was telling myself out loud if it doesn't happen this season next season is going to be really really exciting because I know that he and they would go for it Um. So I'd kind of talked myself into that just kind of to prepare myself because, you know, bottom, we were bottom in September and we've just gone up and, you know, that, that, that is nothing short of miraculous.
1: Yeah. Upward trajectory all the way. I think there's only been like, I think one or two weeks in the entire season when the team have ended up, well, since Cooper's come in, where the team have ended up going down in the league over the course of, over the course of a game week. Um, And of course, just very quickly, uh, you were also uh, broadcasting for radio nottingham from the council house and you've shared with us that you were you did a lot of it lying on your belly <laughs> next to a speaker um which is a really dignified w- one day <laughs> Wembley the next day lying on your belly <laughs> underneath and behind a balcony
2: <laughs> it's yeah i mean again yeah yesterday was it was all a blur so we knew that um uh the the team and the um the um, backroom staff and, and management. I, to be honest, I didn't know that everyone was going to be there from from Forest, but to to see and hear the owner was was quite amazing because I thought his speech was really really interesting. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, we were outside, we we're in the Old Market Square at lunchtime, and we thought, well, oh, this is just getting noisier and noisier. And and I was standing inside the at the doors of the council house, saw someone from Forest who very kindly said, you know, just come up. And uh, so we did, me, producer and engineer. But then when, the, when the, um, Matt and Colin were, were doing all of the um, uh, introductions and everything, we needed to hear it. And there was a speaker on the floor of the balcony so um, there are all these um, journalists and camera crew up there on the balcony, and there's me thinking, well, the only play- way we can get the sound from the speaker is for me to lie down with my microphone. And it was so untechnical. Um It was the year 2022, but it was the only way to make it work for the radio. And uh, there I was on my belly. Um, almost got trod on by Cafu and, and Samba a couple of times. But, I mean, again, just to be up there, um and to soak up in the atmosphere it was just it was just amazing and you could see what it meant to players and um all the coaching staff and the people from behind the scenes and I think that's that's the thing for me there are an awful lot of people that you know um often go under the radar and it's it's their day as well
1: yeah I mean we were saying on the way out look we don't know who half those people were who were out on the pitch when they were parading the trophy and having the ticker tape but but that doesn't mean that they haven't played an important role in the club. Um, I just want to finish off by uh, talking about, talking about not you actually, but one of your colleagues. So you obviously got to have your big day out at Wembley, but, but the ever modest Colin Frey, he <laughs> finally got to commentate on his beloved Reds at the national stadium. And he's going to do so in the Premier League next year. Now, obviously he's, he's, we know him as our commentator, you know him as a colleague as well. Um Have you got any words for the legend that is Colin Frey?
2: Yes, I do. Um, And by the way, you look like a Bond uh, villain with with your cat.
1: (laughs) Yes, for the the listener's benefit, the 1865 podcast has now made uh, (laughs) made an appearance and is currently trying to climb up my arms.
2: Is is the cat asking for a season ticket? Because I've got (laughs) no influence on that. (laughs) Um, Colin is just such a lovely guy. Um, as you said, he is modest. He, you know, as a commentator, he he he's actually he manages to keep things. I and, know, and obviously, when Forest score, yeah, that's that's off off the scale. But he has a calmness about him. He has um that professional kind of steel. Um, I saw him on Sunday at Wembley beforehand we shared a bit of a moment then we we definitely shared a moment yesterday at the council house actually um and uh I know how much this means to him as well and and he was was up there obviously uh yesterday doing all the introductions to the players and the staff and um he's just having the the time of his life and it could not happen to a nicer guy and I genuinely mean that he's um you know local radio quite often doesn't get the um the recognition it deserves but um Col- colin is getting it uh now Is sharing in this limelight and and rightly so mm.
1: and with all due respect to um to lawsy and steve sutton as well i genuinely don't think there can be a better commentary team on local radio than colin with steve hodge it's just an absolute joy to listen to and, and always has been but this season in particular it's what a delight
2: yeah yeah that they are. They're, they're, they're amazing. And, you know, um, I think Colin mentioned yesterday to me, we, we did a bit for the radio and he, he was talking about, you know, the fact that Forrest are now going to be a match of the day. Mm-hmm. And it's things like this. When people mention something like that, you think, oh, yeah. I <laughs> Like, you know, um, it hadn't kind of landed with me. But after he said it, I thought, yeah, but whoever they get for match of the day, again, with the with greatest respect, it's not going to be a patch on you, Colin, and, and you colleagues. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really chuffed for him. And um, he's waited a long time. I and mean, a lot of us have waited a long time for, for Wembley, but, but Colin in particular. So, uh, yeah, it, it's just such a good, it's a good time for the club. But I think for this area, yeah. and I can't wait to see what it does for the city and the county as a whole. I think it's brilliant.
1: Uh, just as a footnote, by the way, um, at the Council House, I'm sure that uh, you and uh, you and your production team and Colin himself, even though he wasn't officially on Radio Nottingham duties, they must have been delighted that Steve Cook didn't get the memo about no swearing. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, cheers, Steve. Yeah, I mean, um, it was
2: funny. I mean, we, we we put out several kind of warnings beforehand and apologized a couple of times after. Yeah, I think most people recognise it's you know it's live. People are very excited; they're in high spirits. So we had. Uh, I think we we got away with. There was that. Uh, there was one other little slip that someone else made, and which was not the same word. But um, it's it's one of those things. It's, i think these days as long as you say sorry i don't i don't like it i mean me, the one show will, will apologize about 15 times for yes. saying for someone saying ruddy or something i mean really <laughs> um so i think the more you apologize sometimes the worse you make it but yeah yeah it's one of those things and 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 cookie is uh, i mean he's already a legend isn't he? He's, he's only been here a few months oh absolutely
1: and there are so many photos of him celebrating um okay thank you so much mark really appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us for this
0: at luckylandslots.com
1: available to players in the US excluding Washington and Michigan no purchase necessary VGW group void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply we're going to have a chat with a forest fan and football journalist mr nick miller hello nick thanks for joining us again hello no problem yeah doing? it's been a, it's been a while since we've spoken to you and we'll come back to that a little mm. bit later on but um you were at Wembley on sunday um look we're of similar vintage. You're a little bit younger than me, but was this the greatest day of your life as a Forest fan?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, without without any question, it's just the, the the time building up to it, the the kind of I don't you, you don't want to be too kind of. Well, I was at Doncaster in you know 2007, so I deserve this. But you know, I think we'd all done the hard yards for this. We just you know we had done we done our time and uh, we'd built up enough uh, sort of years of disappointment and, um, and frustration to make this, you know, one of the, well, yeah, as, as you say, the, 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 sweetest moment of, of my, for a supporting life anyway. Um, I, I kind of, I've written a piece about this, but there was what, in 1920 when obviously it looked like we were going to be in the playoffs and we, you know, had because good good a good chance of getting promoted as any. Then lockdown came in and it became clear that if we were going to get to the playoff final, then it would be behind closed doors and no one would be able to be there. I lost enthusiasm for the whole prospect of Forest getting promoted because what I wanted was to be there, to be at a game, to have the kind of collective, broader collective experience with all those other Forest fans, but also to be there with my mum and dad who have been going to Forest with since I was five. Um... And obviously if I wasn't going to be able to get that, then I wasn't so enthused. I wasn't even as enthused a few weeks ago when there was the tantalising prospect of us going up automatically, because I knew that was, you know, that was going to, if that, if that was going to happen, then the big, the big kind of tense games at Bournemouth, I couldn't get a ticket for that. And the, if, if we'd won that, then the, the the game would have been a hole and I couldn't get a ticket for that either. So um the the prospect of Forrest getting promoted after all these years without me actually being there was it would have taken the edge off. But you know, it happened, and it happened in the in the it ha, it, it, it didn't. I mean, it sounds stupid to say that it happened in the most perfect way, considering what a dog of a game it was. And it was decided by our own goal, and we were you know lucky to get away with a couple of penalties and all this kind of thing. But it was it was perfect.
1: Mm, yeah and um having said that i mean automatic promotion would have been better for the blood pressure and the heart rate wouldn't it so
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean all all logical like you know just just simply for the fact that you have an extra two three weeks to you know prepare for next season and uh, as you say better for the blood and heart heart pressure and the heart rate and you know um i don't know in terms of prestige or something like that probably better to go up automatically but no i prefer this one
1: yeah, wouldn't wouldn't have swapped the day for anything in the end. Um, now you mentioned about uh, you know the fact that you are a football writer and and due to your job it's sometimes difficult for you to get to matches. Um, so, but you also talked about the fact that even if last time we were in with a sniff before it all went wrong. That there weren't any fans at matches anyway and one of the key features of, of this season has been the city ground has been an absolute cauldron and even Wembley the further the match went on the less I could hear the Huddersfield fans and the more that the and and some of the footage I mean having been in it and then you watch the footage back from outside where you just realize it's a great big party for 45 minutes when the final whistle went um I, I, I'm, I've asked the question to, to our other podcast panellists over the last few days, but how was it for you? Um, well, the final... Uh, you, you mentioned not being able to hear the Huddersfield fans. My seats,
0: our, our seats were um, probably 15 yards away from the Huddersfield fans. We were right at the edge of the Forest allocation and we couldn't hear them either. So, you know, you get, obviously when you're in the middle of all that stuff, then the noise kind of overtakes it a bit, but we they, they seem to... They might as well not have been there for for for, uh, for all weekend. Um Christ, yeah. I mean at the final whistle, I, so my seat was uh in the row immediately behind my mum and dad, um, who as I said I've been going with for for thirty four years now. Almost. And uh at the final whistle I just uh first thing I did was kind of try and clamber down over the seats to To get so I could stand with them, Mm. gave them a big hug and just burst into tears. Um, (laughs) It was, you know, I I, I, even now we're we're, you know we're recording this on Thursday, what four days after the game, and I still I'm still sort of welling up and getting quite emotional about just watching the new bit. I I, I see new bits of um, new bits of film or pictures how YouTube algorithms work whenever I go on. YouTube, now there's a new like fan reaction or alternative angle, or some, or you know, Forza Garibaldi made some made a, a film about the day, um, and that went up yesterday. So every time I go on YouTube, which is you know, which is quite a lot these last few days, a new thing comes up and it's a new thing for me to just get a little bit emotional about. But yeah, final the, the that that kind of moment of the final whistle, where yeah, or and as you say, the half an hour, 45 minutes afterwards was you know
1: yeah it's and, incredible and also it's really really important that the f- the the fans have been acknowledged by the manager and the players and and particularly the Nottingham based players who've been through the ringer you know the the Worrells and the Yateses who've, who've taken pelters and they've been there and as was I said in his uh, Sky interview we were <laughs> so so that it, it was and and Forrest I, I still believe OK, a lot went wrong under Sabri, but I still believe that the fans not being there was part of that, it not go, it, you know, not going well. So just to move on from there, um, put your journalist hat on for just one second, please, Nick. Um, there have been accusations from elsewhere, including Huddersfield fans, that there's been a bit of a media bias towards Forest. I think Bournemouth fans might have said the same um, in the latter part of the season, that, that kind of... People referring to the romanticism of the past under under Clark in the 90's and Clough in the 80s, 70s 80s and 90s um so have your fellow journalists been particularly nice to you in the last few months, and do you think people are genuinely pleased to see Forrest get promoted
0: yeah I mean particularly as uh, as um, a lot of the the more um, uh, w- <laughs> I said, like, the inf- more influential journalists and editors are of our age, so they remember Forrest. You know, if they don't remember the real glory days, then they remember, as you say, Clark and Polymore and Bohinen and all on that team going into Europe. And Forrest are very much viewed as a top flight club in all but name for a certain generation, which, and they are the generation that kind of, um, you know, makes all the decisions in the media. Uh, so there, is, I suppose there is that. I, I think there's, the simple answer to whether there is a that has been a bias towards Forrest, there has. I think, I mean, without wishing to feel the paranoia of these people, there has been, I think, but not not in a kind of, you, you know, they um, because they in, inherently hate Bournemouth or you know or Huddersfield or whoever it is. It's just because Forrest is a more interesting story. It's it's a much more interesting story. Even if even if you would discount the uh, the kind of the the history and Clough and whatever else, it's a team that um has not been in the top flight for twenty three years. And in those, you know, those specific examples, um it, it, I, I got up against a team who've been in the Premier League in the last four or five years. So and you know, it's much more interesting than Bournemouth or You know, Fulham getting automatically promoted. It would be more interesting than Sheffield United getting promoted. And so, journalists tend to be biased towards good stories rather than you know, in particular particular teams. And you know, this is a a tremendous story. Even if again, even if you discount the history and just look at it as a team who were bottom of the league after seven games, you know, one point from from those you know the, I think it was uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here but I think it was our forest worst start in 108 years or something like that absolutely um, yeah and so even that's just a more interesting story than everything else mm-hmm. so there probably well, there almost certainly was more um, coverage dedicated to forest than the others but that's because
1: it's just a more interesting story and I think that generational factor you consider, because obviously at the times that, you know, people of yours and my age were getting into football as well, as far as to going to Wembley most years, we were the third best um, team in the country. And 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 you know what? I think we're a lot of people's second team, if, the, if such a thing exists. And, and maybe that doesn't exist so much anymore. But again, because of the generational factor, I think a lot of people carry that with.
0: Yeah, you, you'd, you, you'll often, I'm sure you've heard this as well, you'll often hear uh of maybe people our age maybe a bit younger that support forest because their parents their their dad one of their parents supported forest but they'd be from like you know basingstoke or middlesbrough or something like that and they will say well why do you what's what's the connection there why do you support forest and they will always they will say oh my dad's thought started supporting Ferris in the 70s because of Brian Clough, because everyone loved Ferris, Everyone loved that that brilliant story and the way the way Forest played football and Clough's personality. So yeah, it's um it's a kind of it is a strange, slightly strange generational thing, but a generational thing that's kind of passed down. Mm,
1: yeah. And just lastly, uh, for today, and, and thank you once again for joining us, Nick. Um now we do, I did say we'd come back to this. Uh, I think the last time we spoke to you was the morning after Ashton Gate. Uh, you had been there at work as a neutral, ostensibly, <laughs> um, yes. apparently, um, when Lyle Taylor scored two goals in stoppage time. And yes, we spoke to you when you'd had, I think, three hours sleep. You'd driven home through a howling rainstorm. You'd had an adrenaline high. You'd had to kind of hold it together in the press box rather than jumping up and down. Um, was that the turning point of the season?
0: It's always kind of difficult to well, it's it's always very easy, I should say, to like retrospectively apply the you know the undue significance to games like that. But it it did that there was something there that um, you just felt yeah, there's something different here. There's something different about it. It was almost it was not almost not quite so much how that Forrest scored two goals in injury time. But it was more the way that they kind of approached that that they didn't. I, I read back what I wrote about that game for for something else in the last couple of games, a couple of days, and it was it was really striking how they didn't panic in that game. They didn't like you know didn't stick Scott McKenna up front and just started launching it, which you know you know even the best teams do that. Um, they just kept playing there was tactical changes there were three substitutions all the substit- all three substitutes were involved in the, the, the um second goal but they they kept playing as as they had been um other journalists big journalists that cover forest more um more regular than me, I think, uh, have been, uh, I don't know, frustrated is quite the right, right word, but every interview that Cooper gives, Steve Cooper gives, it is something along the lines of, you know, trust, trust the process, one game at a time, blah, 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 blah. But the whole kind of, the, the idea of trusting the plan and trusting the process is what happened in that in that Bristol City game. Um, And yeah, it, that, that was what the, I think it was fifth game, four, four wins in a row. I kind of almost think that um, the... I think it was a, the the following game where we got beat four nil by Fulham. I felt like um, it was a bit of a kind of reality check game. It's like, okay, well, we've won these four games, but you know, let's not get giddy about this, and um that's let, let's, let's temper our expectations. Let's not be Let's not get too excited about these four wins. We all we know that you know nothing. No miracles are going to happen this season. Nothing extraordinary is going to happen. We'll probably you know if we're lucky, we'll finish in the top half and build for the following season. Um, So I would I I would possibly say that the the games after that Fulham game, I think we I I can't remember who it was against, but we drew another one where we scored in the last minute. Um, and then won a few games after that. I think it was probably almost those games where it, it was, you know, post that reality check, post getting actually gubbed by the best team in the division. And they just kind of came back from that and just carried on winning until May.
1: Mm, yeah, and and of course... I guess there was a certain romanticism about that. Like the fact it's happening in pouring rain, wearing yeah. the high-vis kit with Taylor wearing his yeah. pink hair and pink boots and, and the celebrations and everything. So so I can understand that. Um, so thank you very much, Nick. Uh, where can people find your work? They uh, you
0: can find my work on The Athletic. Um, I'm on social media, nickmiller79. Uh, and uh, they will also be able to find my work in a few months' time. I'm currently editing the Totally Football Yearbook, which will be out, I think, in October. Um, pre-order links will be um, available soon, and when they are, I'll put them on my social media. So, yeah, uh, that's where you can find my work. You, if you look at my uh, author page on the Athletic, there was a piece about there's lots of Forest content in the last, um, last week or so. One in particular about I wrote a piece about being known, um on Sunday. Um, and kind of what it meant and everything else. So I'm sure it's something that a lot of uh, a lot of people out there will be able to identify with.
1: Thank you so much to Mark and Nick for giving up their valuable time and joining us on the podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening to the full version of these interviews. And we also hope that you've enjoyed our podcasting throughout the season, whether you're a new listener or you've been with us for a while, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a little bit of time to leave a review of our podcast, hopefully give us a good rating and a nice comment as well. And This will help other Forest fans and other football fans to find our podcast. We have got one other podcast which will come up before the summer and that is going to be our end of season Premier League quiz. So do stay tuned and we will be with you very soon.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.